all you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 297 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Harry Potter Premium Seats episode of the SLS Cast because it turns out that if you were to try and go to Broadway and look up Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, why, you can get some premium seats that are still only... $297. And with that wonderful little bit of Broadway premium seat Harry Potter knowledge, I of course am Matt. And coming to us from nowhere, well, is no one. Because unfortunately, despite my best efforts, this is truly a half-assed episode of the SLS cast. Yes, we just have two episodes left until Tim's triumphant return to live recording as it were but we'll be okay we'll be okay we've got some stuff here planned for you and tim of course will be popping in for some review portions of the show without further ado though i think i'll tell you that life is going pretty well school is definitely cramming down on top of me and it is becoming harder and harder to shall i say be smooth and calm whilst recording this show. Uh, to give you an idea, I am literally here in the middle of the night on the 18th. It's about 1.15 in the morning when I have finally found some time with which to record this episode. And yet, I will do my best, people. I will do my best. And so we will jump right into it. This will probably be a little bit of a truncated episode, but an episode nonetheless. And without further lest, lest, I don't know why we did that, but an episode nonetheless. So without further ado, we shall bring you to some news, or bring the news to you, however it works at this late hour. So here we go, folks. It's the news! And first up from me, and only me, because that's all important this week, from Variety.com by way of Todd Spangler. This article is dated from the 17th of September. MoviePass competitor Cinema launches unlimited movie ticket plan for $30 per month. That's right, folks. A little over a month after cash-strapped MoviePass killed off its unlimited movies plan, rival Cinema has launched a new quotes here unlimited option for $30 monthly that will let customers see a movie in theaters every day. LA-based cinema said in announcing the new plan that it provides quote a sustainable reasonable model for seeing movies on an unlimited basis end quote. The $29.99 per month plan is available only for 2D movie showings. Now this uh according to cinema's website it does say that the new plan isn't technically, air quotes, unlimited, end quote, but rather it offers subscribers the ability to see one movie per day, like MoviePass's previous offer. This plan is available in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Australia. Cinema says it doesn't have any direct agreements with theaters for tickets. And they do go on to just say that they think this is sustainable. But what a lot of people don't realize is Cinema has a lot of fees that are required for joining um, for if you if you're going to do it uh, month to month, it actually costs more because you have to pay a fee to do month to month, and the thirty dollars a month basically is going to be in the neighborhood of paying up front yearly. So you're probably going to be dropping what three hundred and sixty dollars or so. They also charge to use the service right away, even though it's app-based and online-based. You don't actually need a credit card for anything. But if you don't want to wait to use the service, you can also pay to use it immediately. They are also introducing service fees so that every time you purchase a ticket, you're going to be charged anyway. And I do not know that fee off the top of my head, but that exists as well. So Cinema is definitely doing everything they can to entice people with the possibility, but really make sure that people who even think they can get their money's worth 
will be paying through the nose for it. Uh, I myself am still happy with a list uh, for the time being, and uh, AMC is not raising the prices for at least 12 months, though depending on how you looked at the way they phrased it, it might be as late as December of 2019 that they start raising prices, or that's at least that they'll open that up to raising the prices. But it's not quite clear whether or not it's 12 months from when you signed up, or if it's going to be 12 months from December of 2018. So maybe join in December <laughs> and write it out for the best that you can. Uh, it does close here that uh, in this article, Meanwhile, AMC Theaters on Monday announced that its Stubbs A-list plan launched in response to MoviePass. Now lets customers buy tickets through Fandango and Adam Tickets. And that is pretty cool if that is your bag. But again, they've also set that up on their end so that you can't get any points or rewards by using your Stubbs membership through, I'm sorry, your A-list plan through either Adam or Fandango. So I'm not really sure what the point of that is other than, I guess, maybe to just keep track of that on there. If you have thoughts on this, though, we would love to hear them. Please tweet us at uh, at theslscast.com. Send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And let us know what you think about this article. Again, from Variety.com by way of Todd Spangler. MoviePass competitor Cinema launches unlimited movie ticket plan for $30 per month. Jumping into the next article from IndieWire.com by way of Zach Sharp. Now this one is actually a little old in the database. database. It's from September 4th. And the only reason it's this old is because, well, I forgot. So we're doing it now, damn it, because I want to talk about it. And this trailer's been popping up every time I go to the movie theater now. I, AMC's really big about having almost exactly 20 minutes worth of previews. And so it doesn't seem to matter what movie or when you go. It's just roughly about 20 minutes worth of previews and commercials. And I think I've got it about figured out now so that I haven't had to worry about it for the last two movies I went and saw. But prior to that, I was still arriving in enough time to see some previews and the mid-90s movie that Jonah Hill is directing, is his directorial debut, looks really, really interesting. And I definitely am looking forward to checking that out when we can. But this article here, again from IndieWire.com, Zach Scharf, Jonah Hill had a four-hour meeting with Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, got advice from Ethan Cohen before directing mid-90s. Yes, basically, the night before Hill kicked off production, he ran into Ethan Cohen at a restaurant and asked the legendary filmmaker for advice. Cohen, who directed Hill in Hail Caesar, told the new director, quote, Just try and enjoy it. I was so stressed out during my first movie, I didn't enjoy anything. Even try to enjoy the stress. Just enjoy the newness of it. End quote. Also, prior to seeking advice from one of the Cohen brothers, Hill had an extensive meeting with Martin Scorsese. Hill earned his second Oscar nomination for starring opposite Leonardo DiCaprio in Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. Hill told Vulture he originally expected to meet with Scorsese for 15 minutes, but the conversation ended up lasting four hours. Hill wouldn't divulge the specifics of his meeting with Scorsese, but he did marvel at how amazing it was to watch Scor Scorsese on The Wolf set. Carrying on... Hill remembered Scorsese's gift of being able to solve set problems in 30 to 45 seconds, which the actor-director estimates would take other directors hours. Quote, that's some combination of genius and experience. It's so awesome, awe-inspiring that you don't even aspire to, aspire to it. End all quotes from Hill. Now, I just want to go ahead and close there. It's a pretty short article. Uh, closing by letting you know that uh, the uh, October 19th will be the release for this film now whether that's going to be limited or wide it did not indicate but you can please feel free to jump back into that article from indiewire.com by way of zach sharf jonah hill had a four-hour meeting with martin scorsese got advice from ethan Cohen before directing mid 90s i am really excited about this film and the reason why i wanted to talk about this article is really more because it's interesting that even someone like Jonah Hill understands that you've got to really make sure that you understand what the direction of your movie is going to be 
And that isn't always obvious, regardless of the amount of homework that you have done, regardless of how prepared you are and the fact that you've obviously gone through a great deal of processes in order to even get the film greenlit and before going into pre-production, before actually getting to your first shooting day. And it's really nice to see that Jonah Hill has actually done this. It's just an additional sign of how serious he is taking his craft. Now, will it all have paid off? I certainly hope so. We're obviously not going to know until we find out. But the mere fact that someone like Scorsese is willing to sit down with him and really go over the ins and outs of the process of directing a film, especially his first film, I think that says... In a way, I think it says more about Jonah Hill than it does about Martin Scorsese. Not because it's not an amazing thing that Scorsese did, but the fact that Scorsese thought Hill was worth it. It was worth that time. I think it goes to show that Hill has a good rapport and is really wanting to learn and really wanting to make sure that he gets this right. And I'm hoping that he did. I, I really hope that he knocks it out of the park and again the trailer that i've seen is very promising in that regard so check it out uh, and again head over to indywire and check that out i hope that uh, we'll see in the theaters come october so that we can check out this film on our own finally 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 a very short article from cbr.com by way of sam stone and this is also from the 17th of november Getting back to current, jumping back into the current day and time, if you will. Warner Brothers confirms Joker movie cast and crew. This is a very, very brief article. It says here that in a statement officially announcing the start of principal photography on Todd Phillips' Joker origin film, the movie's cast and crew have been confirmed. The announcement comes after months of speculation involving the final cast, including the confirmed inclusion of Deadpool 2 star Zazie Beetz and Francis Conroy as the future villain's ailing mother. Boy, Con Confirmed. I am doing an excellent job of reading. I swear to you, I read these articles before I started recording because I wanted to make sure that I wouldn't slip up. And yet here I am acting like I'm just coming off of Hooked on Phonics or something. Yes, I'm old. I don't know that they use Hooked on Phonics anymore. But old people like me will know what Hooked on Phonics is. Moving along. Brett Cullen was announced as replacing Alec Baldwin as Thomas Wayne earlier today. Joining the previously announced stars Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro in the announced cast are Bill Camp, Glenn Flesher, Douglas Hodge, Mark Marin, Josh Pais, and Shay Wiggum. The crew for the upcoming DC Comics film has also been announced with Scott Silver of The Fighter, co-writing the screenplay with Phillips, who also produces along with longtime collaborator Bradley Cooper. The lineup behind the camera is equally impressive with Lawrence Scher of Godzilla King of Monsters, serving as director of photography, Mark Friedberg of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, serving as production designer, and Academy Award-winning costume designer Mark Bridges of Phantom Thread among the film's crew. Directed and co-written by Todd Phillips, Joker stars Joaquin Phoenix as the titular character, along with Robert De Niro, Mark Maron, Zazie Bates, Francis Conroy, Brett Cullen, and Bill Camp. It is scheduled to be released on October 4th, 2019. And that is the article in its entirety, but please, please, please jump in there and read it for yourself. It's got a really nice uh, concept art picture of the Joker. And again, that's from CBR.com by way of Sam Stone. Warner Brothers confirms Joker movie cast crew. Now, this movie is interesting to me because it's kind of like a spin-off. So, I'm not really sure how this is supposed to fit in. Um, but it is interesting because along with Venom, we're starting to see in-universe characters, villains especially, getting their own films that are more than just origin stories. I really think they're putting the feelers out there for potential standalone in-universe superhero movies or supervillain movies in these cases and quite frankly i really hope it works because what i would like to see in the vein of the superhero movie or the comic book film is that it's okay for them to just have one 
We don't need to make everything into a franchise. We can just have, for lack of a better term, a canonical universe, a la the, you know, the DC universe or the MCU or what have you. But it doesn't even necessarily have to be tied specifically into that. It could literally just be its own thing. And I really think that it would be good to provide a breath of fresh air in that regard because what will happen is as we get great standalone movies it will then encourage additional great standalone films ideally it will even give us ways to produce better films like maybe or more creative films from like image comics back in the 90s when they did the max which was a thing that was on mtv way back in the day the artwork and the style of that of that comic would be really really great for a surrealist kind of film especially when you consider the fact that it's a bunny question mark <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I like the idea. I realize it's a gamble, and a lot of people are starting to put the hate on Venom. I stumbled into the back end of a trailer, of, again, two or three movies ago, and it looked kind of weird. So, I don't know, maybe it's because I didn't see the whole trailer, and I guess I'm glad because I don't like watching trailers anyway. So, I'm not really sure how this movie's going to turn out, but... Let's hope that it does do well and that Joker does do well so that maybe we can get out of this rut of simply having to have some huge sprawling universe that must have multiple films in the series and create all these different franchise vehicles. Let's, let's push for a better, just, just a, a better cinematic experience in and of itself and let the movies stand on their own. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conf con confirms I just can't seem to talk. <laughs> That's basically just going to bring an end to the news. Next week, we are just going to keep plowing away. I'm working on some hopefully special guest action that will make the news even more fun next week. But yes, we're going to have our continuing news segments and I think it'll help because this way we can really do something special and fun when Tim comes back. We can just kind of run movie news and keep everything as current as we can through the month of September so that we can have a little bit more fun with special segments in October. Though I know that Tim is going to really want to be able to catch us up on some things that he thought was interesting over the month of September and maybe have some responses to the things that I talked about tonight. So it'll be fun and exciting. But next week, definitely news. And without further ado, I believe we will do some movies. And so here we go, folks. It's the movies. <laughs> Right, ladies and gentlemen. So this week's movies are The Predator and White Boy Rick. I think we will go ahead and start with White Boy. No, I take that back. I take that back. I think what we're going to do is we're going to go low and end high. That's what I think we're going to do. And so I guess you now know which way this is going to go. Let's start off with the Predator, folks. Here we go. Hey, we have a word. Let me guess. He's done something crazy. Show me again. I want to break your neck. Welcome to the Looney Bus. McKenna. Nebraska Williams. That's Coyle. That's Lynch. With Merch. Why are you here? I don't think you believe me. Come on, man. I had a run in with a space alien. <laughs> this fucking guy is crazier than the rest of us. <laughs> what the fuck was that? That's the thing that killed my man. Alien. Guess who's back in the fucking predators? They exploit weakness. Tracks its prey. Like a game. Seems to enjoy it. That's not a predator, that's a sports hunter. Well, we took a vote. Predator's cooler, right? Fuck yeah. Do you have a plan? Ex-sniper with PTSD and a team that's mental? You're insane, right? Yeah! Gentlemen, they're large. 
the best and fucking you up to their idea of tourism. Figured something out. I think we're going to die. Just pointing it out. A big boy's a hunter. He brought his dogs with him. I can't September 14th. All right. Predator 2018. Uh, science fiction action films directed by Shane Black, written by Black and Fred Decker. This would be the fourth installment in the Predator film series, uh, notwithstanding the two Aliens versus Predator films. Film stars Boyd Holbrook, Trevante Rhodes, Jacob Tremblay, Keegan-Michael Key, Olivia Munn, Thomas Jane, Alfie Allen, and Sterling K. Brown. We basically are finding ourselves where... The predator ship has crash landed, and of course, this is not just your average predator. This is a predator who seems to be escaping from other predators for some reason. Meanwhile, uh, Quinn McKenna, who's an Army Ranger sniper, played by uh, Boyd Holbrook, and actually, uh, I didn't realize this up front until I started watching the film because I literally had not seen anything about the predator films in any way shape or form up until a couple weeks ago when we started talking about the issues surrounding that film and its casting but yeah boyd holbrook uh narcos he plays one of the dea agents in narcos so that was kind of fun to see him there um he is on a mission, and of course, that's when everything goes down, and he sees what's happening. He is clever, is able to somewhat outwit the predator that is there, and then he ends up escaping, grabbing a couple of things for proof, and sneaking off into the Mexican towns where he then ships this stuff back to his P.O. box back at home. Unfortunately, that doesn't work out so well simply because his P.O. box is canceled for non-payment, which means everything shows up at the house where his wife, estranged wife and son, live. His son, of course, played by Jacob Tremblay. And he's uh, supposedly Asperger's, and so this is uh, theoretically on the spectrum, and yet at the same time they make a point of, of foreshadowing, if you will, that the spectrum isn't necessarily something that is to be looked at as something that is negative, but actually the next progression forward in the way humans will evolve, at least in their minds. Carrying forward, uh, McKenna is then picked up and looked at, according to Sterling K. Brown, who is a government agent and director of the Stargazer Project, and these are the guys who obviously are tracking down aliens and stuff. And, of course, specifically, they, they know about all the Predators because this is not a reboot. It is not a soft reboot. It is literally a an in-universe sequel to everything and kind of lets everything kind of culminate in this film so that they can kind of take off in its own let it take off in its own direction the problem with this film though is despite the fact that it's got a lot of things going for it it really does have a lot of things going for it it's got shane black uh, at, at the at the helm it has got a heavy heavy duty original predator 80s action vibe it's got the comedy that goes into that and builds it up that has this wonderful rapport amongst the cast who of course all these army guys happen to be uh, you know crazy people but whatever that's what makes that the the dynamic in and of itself work for the movie i guess well within the movie it doesn't actually work when you're watching the movie but that's the idea so there's a ton of humor lots of great gratuitous violence very reminiscent of the late 80s action movie and it also kind of tries to give you some throwbacks uh very clear throwbacks including wonderful lines like get to the choppas and um Things of that nature. Now, it also has great music. I was a very big fan of the score. It really felt to me like, as much as it was a little bit, say, John Williams reject, uh, Henry Jackman, who did the music, really understood that he was creating a piece of music or as a score that was going to be used as really the pointer for how you need to be feeling, which is the goal of music in a film and the score in a film, but it's meant to underwrite it. 
You're supposed to already be feeling these things by watching and caring about the characters and everything that's happening on the screen. And you're not really doing that because the problem with the movie is that despite these throwbacks to the original Predator, despite the fact that it's very violence heavy and it's got a good solid R rating and it doesn't try to hide from it, the fact that it's got this great music to point out all this cool stuff that's happening supposedly and that they they tried to bring back the humor, you've got to have a great story. And this story is not about Predators hunting humans. This is literally about trying to advance a franchise to make it do something else. And let's be clear, Shane, this was not just, hey, let's cash in on something because we can can. Shane Black actually did go and pitch this in order to get it greenlit. I'm fine with that with the exception of the fact that greenlight, when you get this thing greenlit, you should, you should have a project that simply lets the story move forward in a way that doesn't feel forced. And that's all they're doing. They're just trying to cram down any which way they can to world build so that they can once again reestablish a franchise. You don't have to do that. Just let it be fun. Just let it be action. Just let it be Hunter versus the Hunted and then twist that dynamic around, much like we did in the original. And let's let's not pretend that the acting in the original was just the best you'd ever seen. But at the same time, it didn't need to be the best you'd ever seen. Because a lot of people think, you know, big steroid meathead, you know, roll, gun, blah, 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 blah. But it was fun and it was macho and we liked that. And that's part of what makes it so endearing in its own way. This is not that. And on top of which, this terrible story, you've got just absolutely horrid CGI. You've got not necessarily plot holes per se, but just even within your own suspension of disbelief because of the style of movie, the sci-fi action that it is, it, even then, it's just completely over the top. I mean, we've got this poor boy who's going through this horrible thing and this experience, he ends up getting kidnapped, all this kind of stuff. And he goes from being this poor little picked on boy with Asperger's to basically being Wesley fucking Crusher by the end of the movie. Nobody's buying. Nobody's buying. And it's Jacob Tremblay, so we already know that this kid can act. It's not the acting that's at fault. It's literally the story. I just can't get into it as much as I would like to. But it's still got some fun things going for it. And believe me, I was in a packed theater. I actually got to see this in IMAX. So yay A-list, I guess. Um, I just could not enjoy this as much as I think it should have been able to be enjoyed. But it does have glimmers of hope in there. And so I give this one a 2.75. I truly can't say that I liked it. And it's got a lot of problems. And again, the CGI is terrible. But it's better than okay. It For what it is, I think it did well in giving you some fun, giving you that violence, giving you that 80s action feel, kind of taking it back to its roots with active military and, of course, the government out to get you kind of thing. I'm, I'm, so I'm down with that stuff. It just was executed poorly. And, and I don't think this movie's going to do well overall. The fact that I went on a Sunday night opening weekend, I was the first ticket that bought in the, in the IMAX theater at like four o'clock in the afternoon for the 1045 show. That should probably tell you something. Uh, 2.75 out of five. What do you got there, Tim? Hi, guys. Tim here. I am phoning in my review, as you can tell by the crappy quality. I, I mean, literally, literally phoning in my review, uh, especially for my review of Predator or The Predator. Is it The Predator? I, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you right now, I wish I was able to get my Netflix Blu-ray in of Predators, starring Adrian Brody, directed by somebody that came out in 2010-ish. Um, I have a feeling when I revisit that film, that would have been the better uh, remake slash sequel of the Predator within the Predator franchise. Um, as you can tell, I did not care too much about the new Predator movie. Uh, I went and actually saw it in Dolby. Atmos, in the Dolby Atmos Theater at AMC, and I still managed to find myself falling asleep, despite there being wonderful sound 
going on. Like, loud, I mean, a lot of nuance in the sound, a lot of stuff to keep me, at least audibly, interested. No, I mean, that really didn't do anything. I literally fell asleep through bits and pieces of this movie. That's how uninterested I was. So, all I'm going to say about the new Predator movie, Predators, Predator, The Predator, whatever the hell it's called, starring people, starring Jacob Tremblay from, from The Room, since, I, I don't know, he's pretty much the only thing I remember from, from the movie, really, now that I, I'm trying to think about it. Um, it's overly complicated. Way too complicated, this film is. It didn't need to be. It just needed to be a movie, uh, very much like all the other Predator movies, especially the first one. It's a cat and mouse game. Go back to your roots. That's what the last Predator reboot slash sequel did. It went back to the Predator roots. You don't have to get too fancy. You don't have to do any world building. You don't have to set up directly how these humans are going to play a part in the sequel. No, it's just way too much. What this movie should have done, um, and I'm assuming that a lot of you who are listening to this review, who actually care to listen to this review, have actually seen the movie, um... The movie leaves it open-ended for there to be a sequel. And not just where you think the Predator is dead and then it cuts away and you see the humans being all happy and celebrating because they actually survived. And then before the movie ends, it cuts back to the scene where you see the Predator's eyes opening up, where you see the hand coming out of the grave. No, I'm not talking about that. Um, these humans in the film know that the Predators will return. These aliens will return. And so what do they do? They prepare for battle. It's very hokey in, in the vein of Independence Day, uh, Resurrection, Insurrection, whatever the hell the last Independence Day movie was, where they built it up at the end so that they thought that, at least they thought, people were going to be excited for the direct sequel. Um, that is not the case, at least... In my theater, that was not the case. There was no whooping, there was no hollering, there was no cheering. People just didn't give a shit. This movie, again, was just trying too hard to be a franchise, to, to, to create a franchise. And it was just way too obvious and way too damn stupid. If the movie is a piece of shit, don't go and check it out. Uh, even though Shane Black directed and, 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 he, and he wrote the script, I, it just feels like there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Too much stuff had to be taken out or re-edited or reshot. It's just messy. Guys, it has a pretty facade, but when you, when it gets down to it, there's no substance. There's no nuance. There's no real great, uh, tension or fear, you know, like you, I, I didn't get scared once. Other than there were a couple jump scares, but, I don't know, man. It's a Predator movie. It had to be fucking fun, and the action wasn't even all that great. Anyways, um, the movie was rated R. You do have a lot of cursing. Even little Jacob Tremblay has to have his little cursing moments, which is pretty stupid. Um, but the kills, a lot, there was too much CGI, uh, especially for a movie where the director and the actors and everybody has been touting via interviews and whatnot that it's a very practical movie. There's still a lot of special effects. Um, do I recommend this movie? No. Am I going to give it a good uh, a good rating? No. In fact, I'm going to say it again, I am phoning in this review because I just didn't give two shits about it. Hence me falling asleep during a chunk of it. I am landing on a... 1.5 out of 5, though. Um, I wish I could give it a lower rating, but hey, I wasn't there 100%, and I fully admit that. But of what I saw of it, <laughs> and I saw pretty much the movie from beginning to end, except those moments where I fell asleep, it's bullshit. It's bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Don't waste your time, and don't waste your money, especially if you are not using MoviePass or AMC Stubs or the Cinemark thing, it's not worth your time or your money. So 1.5 out of 5 for me, The Predators, or The Predator, or whatever the hell it's called, 
Phoning it in. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So then let us move into White Boy Rick. How come we stay, Dad? Yeah. Detroit. Son, lion don't leave the Serengeti. I besides, it's going to be our year. I can feel it. You realize you're the worst father ever. I'm not going to let you ruin your life, Don. No drugs in the house. Everything's fine. Not fine. You're fine, Ma's fine. Don, you. you're fine. You're gonna let her talk. To I'm going the goddamn house. Ray, stay out of it. Put some clothes on, will ya? We're going for custard. Y'all know who my dad is, right? Y'all know what he saw? Y'all know your broke ass daddy. <laughs> what you said your name was? Brett. Hey, white boy Rick. You got some balls coming here like you did. You should come out of skating rail sometime. But not like this. But like you robbed the Kmart or something. You good, Rick. You wanna move weight? You come to me. My dad finds this, he'll kick my ass. Just make sure he doesn't find it then. Break it down, the dime rocks. Get yourself a crew and offload it before long. People know you're legit. It's Ricky! He won! You're gonna get in too deep. Man, they're gonna let you out. You talk? I know. Eight pounds, 14 ounces. Such a way you were born. First time I looked in your eyes, I knew you were gonna be bigger than me. And then your life was going to be bigger than mine. Look at this, Dad. Look how we're living. Let's hustle big. I know the players, man, I know the game. Hey, come on, Dad. I can do this. And we can do this. We can fix our lives and be a family again. What do you say? Ask yourself this. Would you believe a 15-year-old kid was working for the federal government? But he was. All right, ladies and gentlemen. 2018 American crime comedy drama film directed by Yann Damage, written by Andy Weiss and uh, Logan and Noah Miller. This is based on, roughly based on the true story of uh, Richard Wersch Jr., uh, better known as White Boy Rick, who back in the 1980s was the youngest FBI informant ever. At the age of 14 or 15, depending on the source that you get to. Film stars Matthew McConaughey, Richie Merritt as White Boy Rick. Um, Matthew McConaughey plays his father. Belle Powley is the daughter. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, Brian Tyree Henry, Roy Cochran, R.J. Seiler, Jonathan Mayers, Eddie Marson, Bruce Stern, Piper Laurie, Y.G., uh, Taylor Page, Danny Brown, Ishtar, Kayana, Simone Simpson, and Quan Haynes. The movie is basically kind of cataloging the life that Richard Wersch Jr. is living with his dad in Detroit in the 1980s, um, like 1984, basically. And he's not, I mean, it, it's lower, it's just simply lower middle class to lower class living, eking things out. Detroit's already starting to go to hell in a handbasket. It's interesting because they're definitely using active shots of Detroit to help get this across. Yet at the same time, there's just still this kernel of family that is there, even though it's a shitty family and even though it's not working for anyone there's still just this kind of a core idea that family should be somehow, some way they've got to make their way. And through this whole bumbling of it all is white boy Rick just kind of wandering into scenarios where he ends up with the Curry gang and ends up as an informant, ends up as a dope dealer, and then eventually manages to start his own dope dealing enterprises and lands himself in jail of course because this is true crime and it's not exactly good fellas i i really wanted to like this movie and it's not a case of a misleading trailer it's just that the trailer tightens everything up <laughs> and the movie itself is not tight at all uh, the running time on this is 116 minutes for me, this movie literally could have been half as long. The movie theater was packed. I went to a Saturday morning, and so this was the target crowd. There was probably 
two or three people under the age of 40 at this thing. This was definitely a solid drama that was enacted as such. Rarely was anybody ever laughing. That's why I don't really see the comedy side of it. Uh, some of it was outlandish. Definitely, like at the beginning of the film, you've got Matthew McConaughey comes home. He catches his daughter, who is a who's a drug addict, having sex on the couch, and he, they, he's trying to say, "We're gonna have some custard, damn it! Let's get dressed and go." And she's like, "Fuck you, Dad! This is not a happy house." Blah blah blah. So that kind of white trash dynamic is at play, and that seems to be funny. But there's really not a lot that you just sit there and go, ah, ha, ha, oh, so funny. The movie just kind of plays through all of the ideas of rough 80s life in Detroit and this poor kid's just kind of stumbling through it. And in and of itself, the story, there's nothing wrong with the story. The acting is really, really good. I actually, I thought the cinematography was really strong in and of itself. I just think that the shot selection had everything drawn out. And instead of just giving you, for example, you've got the, uh, I believe it was Jonathan, Jonathan Majors, I believe plays, uh, Johnny Curry, who is the, the, the head of the Curry gang. And he can see that white boy Rick digs his wife and they always kind of catch each other glancing. And they do it from the very beginning. And don't get me wrong, you you need that kind of setup. It's a good form of foreshadowing. It's nice. It's silent in and of itself. You've got, obviously, the ambience and the music and everything in the background. And all of that is really good. But you don't need it every fucking time they're in the room together. And it happens every fucking time. And it there's no payoff for, like, 40 fucking minutes. So it's like, okay, we get it. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then when everything finally does come to a head, you're like, okay, well, good thing we saw that coming for the last 40 fucking minutes. And it and it does that for every step. It's like, oh, here comes the FBI. Oh, well, how's this going to work? And you see how it's going to shake out. And they get you and they get in and they set it up, they set it up, they set it up. And of course, you can see it coming from a mile away because they drag it out forever. Every single interaction is like that. And it doesn't matter what the interaction is. Is it an interaction between the father and the son? Is it an interaction between the grandfather and the son? Is it an interaction between how the family wants to work together? Is it an interaction between the family coming together and working as a unit for whatever purpose that they want is it rick trying to make his way in whatever avenue that it is that he's currently working on it, all of these things are always dragged out and the pinnacle of it was right about the time small spoiler alert right about the time that rick is getting sentenced you could literally hear someone snoring in the audience. It caused a little chuckle because this guy started snoring and the wife was like, damn it, get up. And it caused a little chuckle. And then the movie ends about 12, 13 minutes later. Maybe less than that, but it felt like that long. Because again, it's just slow. It's so slow because everything is drug out to its nth degree. And it's not entertaining at that point. This movie literally could have been, uh, what, what is 116, 58 minutes? So it literally could have been a one-hour movie. Less the credits. And I think it would have been an amazing movie at that point. But it's not. It's long, it's drawn out, and despite it being well acted and well shot, the shot selection and the way that they choose to build tension has no payoff other than to annoy you. I give this one a two. It's a two out of five for me. I just did not like this movie. But fear not, because I have a feeling Tim's going to save the day. What do you got there, Tim? What a pleasant surprise of a movie, White Boy Rick is or was when I saw it earlier this evening. It's a very good film. I was shocked when I read the reviews of it some weeks ago, uh, especially via Rotten Tomatoes, and just it, people gave the movie a lot of shit. Um, apparently, everybody else, every other person who reviews movies, every, all the other critics are familiar with the White Boy Rick story. Um, so much that they were bothered by the tone and the handling of that story um, in regards to this film. I knew nothing of it 
until I saw the trailer and read up about it and did a little bit of research. I thought this movie was good. I thought it handled the material well. I thought it did, uh, I thought it did Rick, uh, Jr., uh, a little bit of justice. I thought it did a good job at showing what happened to him and how he was kind of thrust into the, uh, the prison system, uh, when he should not have been and how he was used. It was just absolutely fascinating. And the dynamic of this film, it works on so many different levels. It's a family drama. It's a social commentary. It's about, it's also a coming of age story as well. So this movie succeeds and I like it despite some of its faults because it manages to incorporate all these different aspects successfully. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's performed well, it's directed well, it's shot well. It's just a good movie. Did it blow me out of the water? No. Uh, a couple negative things about it, or just one negative thing that really jumps out, is the 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 guy, the young actor who plays White Boy Rick, he's very one-note. And it's a very good note, and it's a very strong note, but it's one note. Uh, there's a scene when he gets shot, and he's coming home from the hospital. Well, he he sounds, he acts exactly the same way as he did, when, you know, before all before that happened to him. And later on in the movie, when he starts accumulating wealth, and he establishes a presence for himself within the drug community, he still looks, acts, sounds the same. And I don't know if that's what really happened, how things actually played out uh, in, in real life. Like, maybe that's just the type of guy he was. I mean, maybe he, his, 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 his vocation didn't change all that much, because in a way he was a sincere guy that was just in it for the money to get himself and his family and help get his family out of the squalor that they, that they lived in. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's really the only sour note in this film or within this film, uh, that's even worth me talking about or mentioning. Uh, it's a two hour plus long movie and, I was, it had me for most of the time, but I think it was the, the movie relying on him and maybe his character, his uh, characterizations weren't strong enough to carry that entire movie because everybody else pretty much hits the nail on the head. I thought Matthew McConaughey did a really good job. I just don't think the material as a whole, uh, was strong or, or really could have gotten anything uh, more from Matthew McConaughey that would have really hit the role and helped elevate the film significantly more. Uh, but the performances are still good, and the material is very good. It's strong material, but it it's just it, it's 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 a little. Um, I, I'm I'm struggling with a word with 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 uh, with a word to describe it. Um, I don't want to say it's blasé. I don't want to say it's uneventful. <laughs> because, again, the story is an amazing story. I mean, it's it's a very good and, and sad story. And the way it's shot, it, it's a, it's a well-shot film. Um, and the music's great, too. But it, it's very, like, it doesn't really take you to that next level at the end of the movie. I mean, think of Goodfellas. Goodfellas is an epic of a film, yes, but it does span... A number of years and especially within the decade the last decade of the movie you see his character change you know and granted with white boy rick and i've talked about ray liotta's character change quite a bit you know he gets very he gets coked out and gets super paranoid and with white boy rick rick he never changes you know over the course of i think what is it four or five like four years or so you don't really notice him growing up. You don't notice him becoming uh, uh, immature, even or or what. So you really don't know exactly what's ticking. You know what's going on in his brain. Is he wanting to actually become a better person, or is he just falling into the world of drug dealing? You know, and you really needed somebody stronger to convey all of that. And that's what 
again, ultimately keeps this movie from elevating itself to something, you know, absolutely fantastic. So it's still a really good film. If you saw the trailer and it grabbed you by the balls and made you interested, do yourself a favor and go and go check it out because that's what the movie is. It's like that. The trailer is can be perceived as fun. The movie isn't really fun, but visually interesting makes it an interesting film to at least watch. So I give White Boy Rick a solid... Ooh, actually, I see, originally I was thinking 3.75, but I'm trying to stay away from the quarter, you know, the quarter stars. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think I'm going to have to land on... I'm going to have to land on a four. It's a very good movie, despite it not packing that punch in the gut, there's no denying it's it's well made. So four out of five for me. All right, all right. Well, then that brings us to the end of the movies. Next week's movies are going to be uh, The House with a Clock in Its Walls and Life Itself, not to be confused with the documentary on Roger Ebert's life from 2014. No, Life Itself, 2018 movie and i guess without further ado it is time for the spiel and i am about to go ahead and spiel on all right folks well the music you've been listening to as always has been brought to us by our music partners cries of solace you can check them out at reverbnation.com and facebook.com both slash cries of solace as for us we are of course the sls cast you can find us at slscast.com you can send us an email to the show at slscast.com you can follow us on twitter at the sls cast you can follow me this is matt on twitter at nitwit12345 you can of course come aboard that information superhighway and track down tim on twitter if that's your heart's desire don't forget you can always subscribe to us on itunes and or favorite us on stitcher radio so until next week this is matt saying that thanks to piper laurie i get to say this believe me when an actress is told that her very name is synonymous with bad acting she's had it and i hope you all take care we will holler at y'all next week Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>